to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9. So we're going to pick this up in verse number 10 as we continue our series, The Miracles of Jesus. And just to kind of give you a little context here, if we had read the previous verses, uh, well, you would have seen that John the Baptist has at this point he has been beheaded and um, we're entering the second year of Jesus ministry and um, well, I'll just say that let's have a word of prayer we'll read the scriptures well, we'll read the scriptures first and we'll have a word of prayer so Luke chapter 9 and beginning in verse 10 the Bible says and the apostles when they were returned told him all that they had done And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And the people, when they knew it, followed him, and he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals for we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all this people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes, And looking up to heaven, he blessed them and brake and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. They did eat and were all filled. And there was taken up of fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. Let me just read a few more verses here. It came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Well, whom say the people that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others say that One of the old prophets is risen again. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you again for the opportunity to be here this morning. We're thankful again, Lord, always for your goodness to us. We're thankful for your mercy, and we are thankful for your grace. Bless the the Bible study now this morning. Draw each of us closer to you. Be with the other Sunday school classes, the teen class and the classes taking place downstairs. Be with each of the teachers as they bring forth the lesson. Be with each of the students. We especially pray for those that came in on the bus this morning, that you just speak to their hearts, open their hearts to to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be the junior church hour and the morning worship service that's going to follow. But all that we say and do today bring honor and glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title of this lesson, as you can see, is Little is Much When God is in It. That's a great, great hymn that sometimes we sing as well. But of all of the miracles in the Bible, this is the only miracle that's recorded in all four 
of the Gospels. So when that takes place, we should take note. Four times this account is told. So, and there's, there's really, as I, as I studied through these four uh, accounts in the Gospels, honestly, most of the points and subpoints in this uh, Sunday school lesson, you could preach entire sermons on the subpoints. So this is really kind of an, an overview of what took place here. And um, so much to learn, really so much to glean out of these great scriptures. Um, but I think there, it's, there's a number of reasons why I think the Lord recorded it four, four times. But I think the main reason that he recorded it four times was because little is much when God is in it. Amen? And I want you to see that this morning and uh, how that applies to us. So again, if you, you don't need to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 14, we'll make reference to some of these. John chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, the same account. Some different things are added. Some other things are left out. But um, just a great, great portion of Scripture here. So you get the scene here. So when it, when it said in, in the verses that I started out reading, uh, the Bible, it says there in verse 10, when the disciples were returned, they had been sent out two by two. And so they had been out doing the Lord's work, and now they've returned. And it looks as if here they were going to kind of just take a little bit of a break, a little bit of a hiatus, and get a little bit of rest. But the multitudes knew that they were there and knew the Master was there. And so the multitudes are following them. And uh, so there's this great crowd of people, 5,000 men, the Bible says. That doesn't list the women that were there. doesn't list the children that were there. So quite frankly, although we think of this as the feeding of the 5,000, it could very well have been 10,000 people. But it's a huge crowd that's there. Just a huge crowd. So let's look into this and see some things. First, so, G, so, so the, the day is, is, is coming to a close. And the people haven't eaten all day. So they're hungry. Jesus knows that. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. And um, the Bible says in verse 12, look at it there, and when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away. Now in the other accounts, we know specifically we're going to see that it was Philip that made a number of comments as well as Andrew. But the entire twelve are of the same mind. We need to send these people away so that they can go and they can get something to eat. This is their reaction. For you see, to them, the need is too great. There's just too many people. How are we going to feed all of these people? And so that's their first reaction, as you notice on your handout. They want to send them away. We can't help these people. We, don't, we, we, don't, we, just, we just don't have enough food to help these people. And, uh, and again, I recorded for you Matthew's account when I mentioned about the children. 5,000 men beside the women and the children. And I also mentioned that it was Philip that really raised this issue. He was kind of leading the apostles. But you know what? I thought about this, and the reality is, how is it that, let me ask you this question, how is it that Philip, who raises this issue, how is it that he's like even many Christians today? Because remember, all of these miracles, one of the mistakes people make is zeroing in on the miracle itself, which are great, 
But the miracles are meant to teach us many different lessons uh, and who Jesus is and why Jesus came and who we are. But why, when I say this, Philip, who, who made the statement there in verse 12, send the multitude away that they may go into the towns and the country and lodge and get victuals. For we're here in a desert place. So why would you think, well, I made that statement, why would you think Philip can be like many Christians today? Well, that's true, Jim. That's the problem. But think of it from a think of it not only from a physical point of view, think of it from a spiritual point of view. The need was too great for the apostles. What were they missing out here? Now they have been they have been with Jesus for a year now. We last week, or uh, I wasn't here last week. I was in Pittsfield preaching. But the week before, if you remember, I gave you a whole rundown of miracle after miracle. They have already seen Jesus raise the widow of Nain's son from the dead. They've seen him heal a leper. They've seen him heal great multitudes. They've seen him calm the storm out on the sea. So they've been walking with him for a year. And now there's this great need. And they said, the need's just too great. We can't, we can't help these people. Anybody else? Why is Philip like... Yes, Jenny. Huh? Yeah, that's good. That's, yeah, we, we can't. We can't. But the we can't... The we can't is true. They, we, we can't do this, but what are they neglecting here? Who are they neglecting to look at? Jesus. And so much of this is going to be about that. But you and I, we can, we can, uh, the need is too great. How, I think of this old building here, and many of you have seen pictures of what this old building looked like when, when Pastor Ainsworth got it. The, the windows were boarded up. The raccoons lived in here. There was graffiti all over the walls. Do you know what? Uh, we've talked about this. We have a picture of Pastor Ainsworth in a fellowship meeting, and right out on the on where the ramp is now, there was about ten or twelve preachers. And if you look in that picture, off to the side is Jim Thompson, and they're looking at the building, and uh, before the building was given to Pastor Ainsworth, those preachers. You know what they said to Pastor Ainsworth? We think you need to find something else. You know what they were saying? And I'm, I'm not criticizing them because I might have given the same opinion. They were saying, Brother Ainsworth, look at this building. The need here is too great. It's just too great. There's too much work to be done. But you have to give Pastor Ainsworth credit. He knew that God could do something with this building if God wanted to do something with this building. He had no money. He was being supported. There was like, I have a list of, I don't know, 12 or 15 churches that were sending monthly support. At this particular time, um, he was meeting, this church was meeting over in the Briggsville School, over in um, Clarksburg, from the Oasis Plaza, near where the Boston Fish Market is, where Angelina's is. I don't even know which exact, do you remember, Jim, Virginia, which exact store was it in? 
Right in the corner. Alright, so they're there to hear. Oh, Brother Andrews, you need to look for something else. The need's too great. We're going to send you. And so Philip is like that here. The need's too great. And uh, then the second point, if you notice on your handout, well, uh, it says in verse 13, but he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except ye would go and buy meat for all this people. Not only is the need too great, but the resources are, are, are too little. What are we going to do with five loaves and two fishes? I mean, even if you just broke the loaves up into crumbs, it wouldn't be enough. And so we're learning some lessons here that the disciples are going to learn, and you and I could learn this as well. Sometimes we think, too, the need is too great. What could we do? What could we do? But listen, if the Lord could take five pieces of five loaves of bread and he could take two small fishes and he could take that and use it, that's all he's asking for you and me. You might, you might not think of yourself as a loaf of bread <laughs> or as a fish, but whatever, whatever you give to the Lord, God can take that and God can use it. Amen? I mean, that's what's happening here. The, from, human, from a human standpoint, the resources are too small. I just kind of use this building again. From a human standpoint, the resources are too small. We don't have enough money to fix up a building like this. Look what it says on your handout. John chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now look, now look at this, what it says in the verse here. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already knew what he would do. If I can, I, I didn't really think about using this example until right now, but those men that stood out there who didn't think that this building could be reestablished re, re here and, and be used, but Jesus already knew what was going to happen. He knew that this building would come to life again. He knew it could happen. I mean, the parking lot was full of trees. Jesus knew. And, he, and evidently he placed that vision on Lester Ainsworth's heart. And... Um, off we off, every window in the building was broken. Every window had to be replaced. I probably would have looked at the building and said, "Man, there's got to be somewhere else where, where we can meet." But Jesus did this to prove him. And and here's the point we need to understand: Jesus places us. Jesus places us in these puts us in these places where we think, "Oh, the need's too great." But no, no, no. Jesus, Jesus puts us in these places. How am I going to do this? How am I going to, be, how am I going to manage this? It's like last week, we were talk, I was talking to some folks, and so you know, last year we didn't have summer camp because of COVID, and so this year we're having summer camp, and uh, we were talking of you know, what it costs to go to camp, and actually the, the cost of camp is, is uh, what is it, 200 and something dollars or something like that, and, uh, which is still pretty reasonable for camp, but 
when, when you, have, you have to send three or four or five kids to camp, I remember the days when, you know, when my kids would go to camp because I was a preacher, they didn't go to camp for free. I had to pay for them to go to camp. And, and uh, on a preacher's salary, you, you start to do the math, and all of a sudden you're, you're sending six kids to camp at $200. That's $1,200. Well, I can't set, you know, I can't, set, I can't send my kids to camp. The need's too great. I don't have the resources. But you know, every year God made a way for that to happen. And um, it's, it's, it's like, oh, hell, I, I would give financially, but you know, my needs are too great. My needs are just too great. Wait a minute. Someone once said this, we're great at calculating when our faith is small. But little is much when God is in it. And that's what's happening here. The disciples here are just great, a great example often of you and me. But Jesus places us here to, to prove us. In fact, I was talking about, in the book of Malachi, bring ye, he's going to say to them with regards to the fish here, bring the fish to me. Just as Jesus says to us, bring ye the tithes into the storehouse therewith that I may open the windows of heaven. First he said, prove me. Prove me. And pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. How can I do this? My, this, this is my, these are my bills. These are my fine. The need is just too great. My personal needs are too great. Well, that's what the disciples were saying here. That's exactly what they were saying. What we're really saying is our God is too small. He's just too small. And Jesus is going to prove them wrong. Follow what I'm saying here? So there, there he is. He says this. And, 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 and that's the reaction that the apostles have. First, send the multitudes away. Let them go and find some food for themselves. But he said, verse 13, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for this people. Well, the reaction of the Savior. Listen, the Lord is always aware of our needs. Whatever those needs are, our spiritual needs, our emotional needs, our financial needs. He's always aware of those needs. And here, as Jesus looks at this crowd, in, in Matthew's Gospel, it says that He was moved with compassion. In Mark's Gospel as well, look what it says there, I have it for you. And Jesus, when He came out, saw much people, and He was moved with compassion towards them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And had, He began to teach them many things. This whole account is a teaching moment that's taking place here. There are things in our lives that take place that are teaching moments where God is trying to build our faith and draw us to be more like Him. The Lord is aware of our needs. He's compassionate. He knows what we're going through. The Lord asks us to place our resources in His hands. That's what really giving to the Lord is all about. Giving to the Lord's work is all about. It's placing our resources in His hands. God begins where we are and He uses what we have. Remember the woman who came to the temple and she put in? How many mites did she put in? Her two mites. You know what? It was all that she had. 
It was all that she had. Well, the reaction of the Savior is he sees this. And he sees the multitudes. And he sees that they're hungry. And um, he's going to take care of their needs. Five loaves and two fishes. Wow. But in Matthew, he said, bring them hither to me. Listen again, that's what the Lord asks of you and I. Just bring me what you have. Bring me, bring me, well, you might say, Lord, how could I be used? I, I just don't have any talents. Uh, I don't have much treasures. And I just don't have much time. Just bring to Him what you have. Bring to Him what you have. You know, if you had told me when I was a teenager or, or, or in my early 20s, that I was going to stand up before people and be able to open the Bible and, and to teach and to preach, I would have said, no way. I can't do that. But you just bring what you have. This little boy here, who we don't know his name, he brought what he had. Two loaves and five fishes. Or, two, or five loaves and, and two fishes. And that's what we're to do. Don't be so quick to see the problem and focus on the problem. Be quick to understand there's a problem, but be quick to know that Jesus has always got a solution. Amen? He always has a solution. And He's going to teach the apostles here that He has a solution. And it's going to be amazing too. We're not going to get to it this week, but they're going to go out. The next great miracle that takes place, Jesus walks on the water. They're going to leave this they're going to go out into the Sea of Galilee. There's going to be another storm that comes up. And Jesus is going to then walk to them. And He's going to say to them, did you just forget that I just fed over 5,000 people? He's, and he's, you know what He's going to say? He's going to say, you know why you forgot, fellas? Because your hearts are hard. Wow, the apostles. Here's the apostles. They've been a year with Jesus. They're seeing these miracles and their hearts are hard. So I dare say you and I, we should be aware of that. But wouldn't you think if the apostles' hearts can be hard, our hearts can be hard. But that's another lesson for, for maybe for next week. So bring me hither. Bring me hither. What you have. And then look at this. And here the Lord identifies for you and I always the source of all of our needs. Look what it says in, in verse number five, 16. Then he took the loaves and the two fishes. And here, looking up to heaven, he blessed them and break and gave to the disciples to set before the multitudes. In John's Gospel, it said this, Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks. You know, when a problem arises, have you ever thought about giving thanks to the Lord for the problem? That'd be, that'd be unique, wouldn't it? Give you think, give you, Lord, I'm so thankful for this problem because now I'm going to be able to see your hand work in all of this. Usually it's like, Lord, what are we going to do? <laughs> but he gave thanks and he distributed to the disciples and the disciples, the disciples uh, to them that were set down. Listen, the miracle always takes place in the hands of the Lord. You have to place it back in the Lord's hands. I don't know what I'm going to do. Jesus, Jesus is going to say, he, he, already said, he already said he knew what he was going to do, but we don't always know what we're going to do. Learn to give thanks for what you have instead of grumbling about what you don't have. 
Amen? Just give thanks for what you have. You know, James said this, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So Jesus looks up to heaven. That's the source. And He blessed the, the, the five loaves and the two fish and He broke them and He gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. We always bring what we have. We put it in the Lord's hands. The Lord does with it what the Lord is going to do. And then in return, He gives it back to us and we go and do what He's told us to do. This whole building. Pastor Ainsworth had this old given this old building. He said, Lord, I'm just going to place this building in your hands. And then the Lord said, okay. And then the Lord made a way. And here we are, all of these years later. Well, that happens in our lives as well. And then, did you notice too, the, the Lord's resources, they're just unlimited. So what happens? Well, look at verse 17. And they did eat. Now, I understand in the Greek, that little phrase there, they did eat, they chowed down. <laughs> they didn't just nibble. Have you ever been hungry at the end of the day? And you want to really eat? Well, they chowed down. That's what the phrase, they did eat. They ate and they ate. And the Bible says, what did it, well, what did it say? Look at it. What did it say when, when they did eat? They were filled. That's the beauty of the Lord. Not only was He able to fill them, but there was baskets full of food left over. And, and I don't think these baskets were little baskets. You know, you remember that Paul, when he had to escape, they let him down in a basket. Some of these baskets, and we're not sure, but I like to think of it this way, some of these baskets in the Bible were big enough for a man to get into a basket like that. I tend to think that these were the kind of baskets that there were. Overflowing with the food. But that's the power of the Lord. And that's what He can do in our lives when we understand that the need, yeah, in our eyes it may be too great, but it's never too great in Jesus' eyes. Remember the old Sunday school song we used to sing? He owns the cattle on how many hills? And the wealth in every mind. How's the rest of that go? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Huh? He, he owns the rivers and the rocks and the rills. What are rills? Look that up and get me an answer for that, okay? He owns the rivers and the rocks and rills. And what else? And the sun and the stars that shine. I can't remember the rest of it. Tell Aaron, we ought to sing that in church. So I would, but you know. But it's true. It's true. The Lord's resources, they are unlimited. And we're not just talking about finances here. We're just talking about everything in life. His resources are unlimited. Jesus knew. We don't always, but Jesus knew the problem. And, and here they're filled and there's so much left over. And there was taken up of the fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. Streams? Okay. John 6 13 on your handout. 
in, his, in John's account, therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets and the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above them that had eaten. That's another chorus we used to sing. Running over, running over, my cup is full and running over. I wonder if we sing these and don't really believe them. Ouch. The reaction to the crowd of the crowd. Well, Jesus said, give them to eat. Give them to eat. You know why we support at this particular time, I think it's 40 missionaries? Because Jesus said, give them to eat. You see, we're looking at this from physical food that these people are eating. But really, it goes all beyond that. I'm putting together, I think I'm going to put together, a, it's really cool if you think about the fact, if you look at the life of Jesus, everything from his birth to all of these experiences, the life of Jesus is a picture of the New Testament church. Just as Jesus, the Holy Spirit moved upon Mary and she was with child, the Holy Spirit moved upon a group of people in Jerusalem and the church was birthed. Just as Jesus said, give these people to eat, Jesus tells us to go into all the world and give these people to eat. Jesus says, go into our community and, and give people, we're talking now about spiritual food. Give these people to eat. That's what he told the apostles to. The, the need's too great. What's, or, or we can, what's the use? People don't want to listen any longer. People don't want to, no, give these people to eat. Give these people to eat. That's the Great Commission. And uh, he says, sit them down. Sit them down in, in rows here. And the, and the Lord is, uh, God is a God of order. Make them sit down by fifties in a company. And so they did. And they all sat down. They responded to his instruction. They, they sat down in ranks, it says in the book of Mark. And they're rewarded for their obedience. And we've already mentioned they were filled. They were filled there. Then in verse 18, we kind of go through all of this and Jesus takes this lesson and he, and he brings this point out. And it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him and he asked them saying, whom say men that I am? And that's when they say, well, some people are saying you're John the Baptist, some Elias, some say that you're some prophet that's raised from the dead. And, that's, and here's the question every individual has to answer. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And you have to answer that question. Who do you say Jesus is? Do you really believe that he owns the faddle, the, the faddle, the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine? Or are we more like Philip and, 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 and Andrew? I think it was Andrew that said it's not in this account. Uh, he said 200 pennies worth wouldn't be enough to feed these people. In that day, 200 pennies worth that was the same, that was the equivalent of a year's wages. If we had a year's wages, we couldn't, we couldn't feed these people. But Jesus knew all of this. Jesus knows all of what you're dealing with and all that you're going through. But you and I, what we need to do is respond to his instruction by faith. 
The Lord rewards us for that. He rewarded their obedience. And then the recognition of who Jesus is. Thou art the Christ. Whom do people say that I am? But whom do you say that I am? Peter said, the Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them that no man should... That He commanded them to tell no man that thing. We asked that question a couple of weeks ago because in a lot of the miracles, Jesus said to them, don't, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And uh, actually... Turn, turn to John's Gospel. There's a good explanation in John's Gospel why he would tell them these things. John, and I'll be done. John chapter 6. You would think, well, wouldn't Jesus want everyone to know? Let me ask you this as you're turning there. Was Jesus' primary purpose to perform miracles or was His primary purpose to preach the Gospel? Yeah, it's an easy question. It's to preach the Gospel. The miracles were just used to bring the crowds. But the primary purpose was to preach the gospel. Look what it says here in John chapter 6. And pick it up. Um, it's really, I believe, one of the reasons that Jesus would tell people, not everyone, but many times, really just keep this to yourself, this, this healing or this miracle. Um, verse 15. So verses 1 through 14 is the account we've been talking about. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed into a mountain himself alone. And so you understand, Jesus is understanding. These people, want, these people want to get a hold of me and make me to be a king. I, I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm here to, to share the kingdom of God with people and, and not to be their king. One day he'll be the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. But you know, I'm saying one day he'll return in that role. But it wasn't his time yet. I mean, we're only into his second year of his ministry. He's got two more years of ministry, more messages to be preached, more parables to be given, more examples to, 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 to go forth here. But so much here with regards to, to what's taken place. From a human point of view, the need is too great. The resources are too small. Don't ever get caught up in that. Because what you're really saying when you have that idea is God is too small. No, no, we serve a, we serve a big God. Identify the source of all of our needs just as Jesus taught us. He looked to heaven. The Lord's resources are unlimited. Ours are always limited. Place whatever you have in the Lord's hands. Let Him do with it He's going to do. He'll put it back in your hands to go ahead and use it for His honor and glory. Respond to His instruction. Be obedient to the things of God. Recognize, just as the disciples, He's the Christ of God. He's the Messiah. So you have to ask that question. Because you and I can be just like Philip and just like the apostles. Our hearts can get hard. And right after this account, this great miracle, their hearts are hardened. It's good every now and then to just take a spiritual reality check. Where's my heart? 
where is my heart? And just get along with the Lord and say, Lord, keep my heart soft. Keep my heart pliable. Keep my heart open and in tune to what it is you have for me. And you might think of yourself just a small fish in a big pond. But God can use a small fish in a big pond. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.